Hands tremble. Breath quickens. Feet tap. Beads of sweat halo the competitor's brow. Sounds like a pretty high-stakes situation, right? Maybe it's the Olympics, perhaps Super Bowl or World Series? Nope. Baking bread. That's right. We're back with the GLG making our education and metaphoric connections. So, let's not sugarcoat this. We all experience these physical symptoms during high-stress moments. And over the last few years, students and teachers alike are feeling the squeeze from these big emotions. While social-emotional learning, or as we often refer to it as SEL, seems like the next big dirty word in education, in truth, SEL practices have been around for ages to help educators and students alike self-monitor and cope when stressful moments happen. After all, life is what you bake of it, and it's our ability to regulate, know ourselves, and connect with others that makes it really sweet. And we have just the expert here to proof it. You're not going to want to miss this one coming up on the GLG. Welcome to the Grounded Learners Guild, the podcast that gets real about education, authentic leadership, and the transcendent power of being a part of a highly functioning team. Here are your hosts, Casey Veach, Emily Coakland, and me, Jenny Labrie. In the reality competition world full of intense gimmicks like cash prizes, contestants sabotaging each other, and hosts who criticize the contestants, there's a rare and noticeable exception. A little show and its spinoffs about well-meaning folks just trying their best to do work that they can truly be proud of, and that show is called The Great British Bake Off. It doesn't take a great stretch of the imagination to see how our world, in or out of education, can feel like a typical reality competition, right? It's not uncommon to hear people talk about how they're burnt out, they feel pushed to their limit, they feel like they're being constantly criticized. And as a result of that, they are not performing at their best. Yet, just as Bake Off provides a little beacon of human connection in this world, In this world, too, as a whole, we have SEL to look to when we want to help our students or ourselves find regulation, resources, and relationships. And so it is our intention with this episode to clarify what social and emotional learning is and to share tried and tested recipes to fold it in to any school setting at home or at school. All right, everybody, I am so pleased to introduce to you and bring to you all an amazing colleague and now friend that I have gotten to know in the past year. She is an internationally renowned speaker. I'm like fangirling already that she's on the podcast. But in addition to that, she is what I'm calling an SEL starfish, this like superhuman, amazing person. Welcome, Carla Tantillo Filibert. We're so happy to have you. Honored to be here. Thank you so much. <laughs> so, Carla, if you could kind of talk to us a little bit about who you are, how you found your path, and really your expertise. And I know you don't think it's your expertise, you're part <laughs> of this as well, but how you found your passion and calling with social and emotional learning. Well, thank you so much, Casey. I give this I give this so much thought because I think where it started and where where we are now is a journey that may have had a couple left and right turns. And I think when I got started, I had this 
I'm going to say naive picture of the world. Like we could fix classrooms by making them more relaxed places and students would learn better, teachers would teach better. And while this is the case, the thing that we need to solve for is something that is rarely talked about. And that is Mm self-awareness. How aware am I in varied context across my life? And so right now, I feel like I am aware because I'm with you, dear friend, Casey, (laughs) meeting like your besties. And so this is like, wow, I'm I'm not nervous. I'm calm. I'm relaxed. I feel like I can perform at my highest. However, if you brought my mother-in-law into this call and my own like strong-willed Italian mother, I'd be like, wait, wait, that's not what I meant to say. Hold on, Casey, erase the tape. Can we go back, Jen? Can you start editing? Like it would change how I'm showing up and how I'm able to perform. And so I think my journey started with me kind of naively thinking we could control for all these factors and and solve and change the world. And then realizing, well, actually, no, it starts with this journey around awareness of self and our willingness as adults to engage in that journey. What I love, we talk about here on this podcast, how words matter. And what I'm finding really interesting about what you're saying is your initial entry into this space was to control, right? And it's really not about that. It's how do I develop that peace, that centeredness, that groundedness that we talk about a lot on this podcast too. How do I inwardly project that outward, if that makes any sense? So again, this is why I love you so much. (laughs) Right back at you. Right back at you. Seriously. I'll I'll tell you something I really liked about what you just said, too, is the idea of it starting with yourself and then the ripple effect going outward. I think sometimes people feel like they don't have permission to focus primarily or first on Mm -hmm. themselves, but... I think we're going to hear a little bit more about that as we continue. I don't want to step on your toes here, but I like that it's starting with you. You wanted to figure out how to feel regulated and you used yourself as an example. It can help us all to look inward first, then figure it out. So I am so thrilled tonight that we are making a connection. And Carla, if you don't know, or maybe Casey's already filled you in, our jam is to take a metaphor and run with it. And so as you probably have heard and our listeners have heard from our hook and our intro about it being about the Great British Bake Off. And I need to know, you guys need to tell me, Casey and Carla, what came between you in this conversation to set up (laughs) this particular event where you are willing to guest on our show? And why British Bake Off? Because we've done, we've done Six Degrees of Connection for this really, really quick in the summer, but we've never done a full length episode. So what Carla drew you to that? Or can you guys describe how that came to be? I'll describe how it came to be. And then Carla, I would love to hear about your fascination with this metaphor. So about a month and a half, maybe a little two months ago, Carla and I finally got to connect in person because she's been through her organization, through her group mindful practices, she's presented quite a bit for my regional office over the past year. And I finally got to meet her in person at this women and leadership conference. And I had to call and talk to her about a couple of other things. And we ended up talking for two hours on the car ride home from Peoria. And it was the fastest two hours just talking about everything SEL, reflecting on what it's like to be a woman and working full time, everything across. And at the end of that conversation, as I'm like speeding down (laughs) Route 90, I'm like, Carla, I would love and be honored if you would be open to sharing all of this or at least a portion of it on our podcast. We make these pop culture connections and 
without hesitation. She absolutely said yes. But I want to know, what is your fascination with cooking shows and Bake Off? I'm not allowed to like lead with my crush on Paul Hollywood, right? Like, <laughs> well, I think you could lead with that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like the listeners, like you're a married woman. That is not appropriate. <laughs> so I think what drew me to it is what you all highlighted in the hook in the intro, right? Which was so well written, captivating. By the way, is this piece around? It's not like bakers paired off against each other and spotlights coming down and tense music. It's like somebody says. I'm done early. Can I help you like put your stuff on plates and arrange strawberries around it? And you're just like, wait, 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 what? This, this person can like beat you in the end. And it's like, and to what, the, what are they competing for? Like some glass baking dish that's going to like fall off a counter and break into a million pieces. <laughs> so true. Because their cat's going to jump up on the counter and they're like, oops, there was my, you know, th- 300 hours of work down the tubes. Whoops. You know, and you're like, wait, you're competing for a baking dish and you're helping each other out. I don't get it. And it, it took me an episode or two. And then I realized that not only did I get it, but I think if we could somehow replicate that in education, if we could find that, why are schools lonely places? Why is that? We have kids that are there to connect. We have adults that are there to connect. Yet if you ask them and you poll them in the research we've done with Chapin Hall at the University of Chicago, again and again, we're in like year eight of this research and adults are saying, oh yeah, by the way, it's not really the kids in like classroom management and lesson plans that stress us out. It's other adults that stress us out and feeling alone that stresses us out. You know, like this is a building of 650 kids and adults and community members and parents and paras and sikas that all know each other, by the way, that have all worked together for 10 years, five years, three years, 20 years, and yet are lonely. And so you you see like this missed opportunity in schools and then you watch this baking show where these people are like besties after one episode and crying when somebody leaves and like hugging, you know, when they get kicked off the show for bad brownies and you're like, <laughs> okay, I watch it. And Casey knows me, I nerd out about this stuff. So it's not that I just watch the the one episode, but I find my favorite episodes and I watch them and study them. Like if you hear Judd Apatow speak about studying comedy mm-hmm. in his book, Sick in the Head, right? Or you talk about Jerry Seinfeld and like how they watch the tapes. Like they watched Richard Pryor's tapes again and again. I watch the episodes again and again and I look for like the cueing and the nuance. And how do you give firm and constructive feedback and show growth? And how do you bring community together? And it's like, I can't stop studying them. And then I also will dive into these projects. So like listeners, you can't see, but I have a shirt on with sourdough starter on it. Because in March, and I dated it March 3rd, I started my own sourdough starters, right? And they took over my kitchen at first. They're like growing and you open them up and they smell terrible. It's like vinegar (laughs) threw up in your kitchen. And yet you're like, I feel I'm like working with my hands. I'm doing, I'm feeding my family. I'm creating this thing that's done or it's going to be done in 12 hours. And that feels very cathartic for me as well. Oh my God, I fall in love with you every time you talk. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that was a long answer, Jen. All right, we're in six hours of editing. (laughs) I'm into it. What I loved, Carla, is you mentioned when we've talked about Great British Baking Show before, we talked about and really centered it around exactly what you're describing. It is in its purest, most delightful, delicious form. It's SEL. 
Like you can see all of the core competencies at play. When it comes to self-awareness, those people are monitoring their, their hands are physically shaking. Like I have to get this done. What are some ways that I can do this? It's relationship building. You have multiple people carrying the plate to judging where they could just as easily be like pull a Tanya Harding and like, (laughs) you know, but it, it just exemplifies the best that humanity has to offer apart from Paul Hollywood did cheat on his wife. So we don't want to commit to that. Yeah. No. Yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Don't Are you running a Ramsey crush? this, Paul Hollywood. No, really? he did. Uh, yeah. But everything else, like it. it really does exemplify the best of us, our creativity. I've even talked about how when it comes to clearly naming success criteria for students, like what does a student have to do in order to demonstrate their learning? That's part of the technical. It's got to look like this. They have to be this long and this. Every single success criteria point is mentioned so everybody knows what it's going to look like. Love it. I have to know, Carla, are you a Mary Berry fan or Prue? Prue. I'm all about Prue. (laughs) Well, it's funny because everyone thinks, I mean, everyone, like this is all I talk about all day, by the way, it's British (laughs) Baking Show. But everyone is like, oh, Carla, knowing you, you think I'm Mary Berry. And my coach, because I have two fabulous coaches and mentors and the advice that they're giving me. And as I grow this new phase of like my organization and my work, is that I lean toward Mary Berry. People see me as Mary Berry, but like Casey, you've seen me. Like Mm -hmm. I really am more, I'm more Prue. Like Mm -hmm. I want to be in there and I respect people that give me constructive criticism and I love people that allow me to give constructive criticism. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to find. And in fact, I think Casey, like some moments in our friendship where I was like, please give me constructive criticism. Like, all right, let's do this. And you gave me some and I love that. Because yeah. nothing pisses me off more when you're at the end of a collaboration or at the end of work together and somebody doesn't sign a contract or somebody doesn't renew you and you have no freaking clue why. Hey. And you're like, I busted my ass. I, I worked days on those slides. Can you tell me what? It was like, oh, well, minute. and you're like, just, okay, you don't have to rehire me, right. but at least do me the service of letting me know where I missed the mark so I can grow. Mm-hmm. And I think Mary Berry's a little too like, oh, bless your heart and proves like, not worth the calories. <laughs> Right? I told you, don't use the lemon extract, use the lemon zest. Or that's like a Paul. Paul is like, stop with the damn extract. Get zesting, right? And those people, and on the show, like Raul, or was it David, the the youngest one, 19, who won, those Mm -hmm. people that show that they can take constructive criticism, like the gal who made that sourdough loaf and put the tomato on top and like season, what is that, three? Prue's like, this is going to be too simple. And she's like, I know what I'm doing. Or no, Paul was like, it's gonna, she's like, I know what I'm doing. They're like, yeah, no. And she didn't show humility. She didn't show grace. She didn't show a learner mindset. And I mm-hmm. honestly think that they reward that on the show, those mm-hmm. people that do that. And I think in my life, I'm thirsty and hungry for those people that are willing to go out on a limb and be and do the dance with you of like giving you constructive criticism and then saying, and hey, how about, is there anything you have for me? And we we walk away with a hug and gratitude. That to me is a, is a special relationship. And I'm loving how you're connecting that even to the desire that if we had more of that in education, what that could mean for the type of learning experiences our students could have if our adults felt this way or more of our adults felt this way, because they exist, they definitely do. How do we help bolster that mentality within our adult learners? 
I think it's funny too that you had mentioned uh, Gordon Ramsay a couple of minutes ago <laughs> when you were talking about your crush. I mean, and then we go into talking about the kindness and love that goes into real constructive feedback and how it can mm -hmm. help people. Whereas, you know, you think of Ramsay when you think of like actual criticism, like yelling at people and telling them what yeah. they're doing wrong without that same gentleness, I think. In defense of Gordon Ramsay, he <laughs> starts there. He starts there in constructive criticism and only calls them daft cows if they refuse to listen. Yeah, don't come after me, Ramsay. All right. There is one like potato cafe from that. Oh gosh, it's like 2012. A gal, she's like 19, working for her aunt in a show, and he like hugs her. Aww. And it's like, you're 19. How would you know any of this stuff? Right? right. Now I have to share a quick story if it's okay. Yeah, yeah go for All it. All right. So, so what some of my work has evolved into is doing what has been named by my clients is hurricane coaching is I'll go into so the district of 30 schools and I'll go into their least performing schools and they'll have me observe like five or six of their lowest performing teachers. And the thing, and this is the reality of education right now is they can't fire these people because they can't, they're already like operating as a district with like 60 vacancies a day, mm -hmm. if not more. So these teachers are not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And this isn't something that I've even named or put into contracts. It's just kind of something that's gotten requested mm -hmm. is I go in, I observe these teachers, boom, 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 boom. And then I meet with them right afterwards and I'll give them feedback. And the reason that this works is because I don't have the emotional, political, I don't know where they fall in the political landscape. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they're the union rep. I don't know if they're the favorite of the superintendent. I don't know who the hell they are. And so what happened most recently that stands out as I was observing this educator and I get into his classroom and the lights were so low that the kids couldn't see the pens that what were the pens were writing. He was zipping through a bunch of websites and he mispronounced a student's name unapologetically in April, in April. And he's like, I don't know, like, is it Devarian, Devarian? Like, I don't understand these names. He's like, I don't understand this pronunciation. He's like, you know what, dude? Like, I would try, but it's we're, we're like six weeks left of school. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, uh -huh. so at the end of the session, right, I go up to him and he's like, okay, so what's your feedback for me? And I intentionally mispronounced his name. I love and you. he corrects me. And I said, oh, you know what? I don't think it's really important if I get to know your name. I'm, I mean, I'm only here to like see you today and then give you feedback, right? Does it matter? And then he's just about to be pissy with me. And he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, are you, you know, like because of that student and what happened today? I was like, yeah, exactly. And he's like, so you know how to pronounce my name. I'm like, whether I do or I don't, is that the point? Is that your takeaway? And so then he's like, okay, so like, what's your other feedback? And I just enumerated a list of things. I'm like, you're not teaching. You're jumping through a bunch of websites. I'm like, so let's talk about your, how you're defining teaching. And I can give this criticism constructively. Now this guy, I was coming a little Gordon. I was yeah. channeling some Gordon <laughs> yeah. because yeah, I'm not yeah. going to get into the importance of anti-racist work in education, but this guy, I was really triggered clearly. And so the principal at the end, I gave her my, and then I give like a one page write-up and I gave her my feedback. And she's like, thank you. That's not something I could have said to him, even though I've evaluated him for seven years. And I think therein lies the problem is that schools are political places. And really what we need, instead of this like yearly evaluation, that's 600 pages and all of this work, there's really three sentences that people need to hear usually. When I look at my own team, there's three sentences per person that works for me that they need to hear. Get your Google Docs more damn organized, show up on time, like whatever it is for each person. And then there's three sentences they would give to me, right? 
But we don't give those three sentences because it's not constructed. We're not operationalizing that feedback. Mm -hmm. And really that's what we need to move the ball down the field, right? Mm -hmm. Is this guy needed to know, yeah, your climate and culture, dude, it's terrible because you don't honor and value the students that are sitting in front of you. How that's showing up is that it's not just about that kid's name. It's about every kid in that class knowing that you don't care about how to pronounce that kid's name. And so I think that this it's interesting that this hurricane coaching is something that more of my clients are requesting mm -hmm. because that's something that they can't do themselves because of the way that schools are constructed or feedback loops just aren't there. I am struck and sad. And I'll be honest, if I was a principal, I would struggle with that as well, because as a defender, as quintessential middle child conflict is really hard for me, really hard for me. As I'm stepping into a new role in my current organization, that's going to be a bigger part of my work. And I think it's understanding these are the norms. These are the values of us as an organization. And these are the things that matter. And I expect when I am not doing that, you call me out on it. It all starts from that top in order to really get that climate and culture to a place where we can be more candid and honor and receive the feedback that others are getting from us. Giving well, to and us. you know, Casey, that the principal <laughs> told me the list and she's like, well, and this teacher, you know, he's the one that always is like rolling his eyes in the DEI trainings. So of course he's the one yeah. that's mispronouncing the student's names. So like, this is where my self-awareness has to come in because of my own, those things that are my values. Mm -hmm. I have to make sure I don't walk in the door dismissing the educator who's rolling his eyes in the DEI training because right. I know that, right? And so that's the hard part. I try not to talk too much ahead of time because to your point about roles, those roles are heavy and they're hard. And I love that you're thinking about this with this lens, this hat that you're going to be wearing mm -hmm. soon, right? Well, man, we just dove right in. and I love it. <laughs> and I am like, we could just throw the framework out the window for our, our notes tonight. But I do think that there is some benefit in Casey thinking about what we just talked about in general, like you guys dove into, because I asked the question with Prue or Mary Berry mm -hmm. and Paul yep. Hollywood. And so we've talked all about the judges. But what else is left for our listeners to know about Great British baking show in order to go into our three segments that we've kind of staggered out like you would if we were in our own episode of the yes. British baking show. We tried to mirror that structure, really the whole gist. And we really talked about the prize at the end earlier today, right? Like they don't get a big cash prize windfall. They don't get necessarily guaranteed book or cooking show deals. We have upwards of nine to 10, maybe 14 contestants all competing based off of weekly challenges. So it's bread week, it's biscuit week, it's patisserie week. And you have these bakers engage in three bakes, a signature bake, which they are provided with an item. So bake uh, a focaccia and you have to decide what that looks like to you. Then they have a technical where they have to create 12 perfectly even lady fingers. They're usually or... super difficult to finish. <laughs> they don't have a recipe either. They have to do it without a recipe. Well, they have the basic framework, though. Mm -hmm. They have the basic framework. Oh, without the measurements. Yeah. Without yeah. the measurements. And they have to figure all that out. And then the showstopper is where they get to interpret and use their creativity in order to make a cake look like 
something else. So whether that's a boom box or a bookcase or anything they want. So that's the basic structure. And it doesn't change from week to week. Every week it's, all right, we're doing bread, signature technical showstopper. We're doing cookies, signature technical showstopper. And so really, Carla, to move us into our framework, let's start with the signature. What would be, when it comes to the SEL space, what would be your signature SEL bait? that lesson or practice that you feel like really is signature to you, your work, or even what you're seeing based on your research is the most powerful. I love it. And of course, in my head, I'm like answering the other two questions. (laughs) What do I, what's this, what's here, what's that? So I would say my signature is and this is also connect to my showstopper is building a community of folks for professional learning opportunity or workshop. And I mean this, and I'm, I'm trying to get, use my words intentionally. If we say we have like six folks from this district, six folks from this school, three people that drive in from Michigan, six that drive in from Iowa, and we like get them all together in a room, I can build community with these folks and I can get them to engage together. And so I'm going to say that that's my signature. But then I'm going to also say, I'm going to jump to showstopper. And I'm going to say, that's also the showstopper. The showstopper is when I can get them to be self-aware. And that takes different ingredients. It takes more time. Like that's the showstopper. It's like an unprecedented eight hours, the first time in the kitchen, right? Like, yeah, like it takes a long time. I can get folks to laugh together and have fun and play together in 45 minutes. So that can be my, I can pull that off quick. But to get them to grow together and to be self-aware so that for them to experience that, like, I'm here, I understand myself in this moment. I also understand the energy I'm bringing into the room and contributing to the space in this moment. That's the signature. And so it's like, it's like I can do one and then I can also do the other, but time and ingredients are definitely a factor. I really like that differentiation between the two. You understand that there's a certain layer and a certain type of energy that goes into getting people to just engage with each other and build relationships with each other on a basic level. And then going all the way to the other end of the extreme, same people, same room perhaps, but that level of self-awareness and ability to grow and really change in a meaningful way is the showstopper. So kudos to you for bringing both rounds into the picture. For me, because I have to give you credit because I've attended all your trainings (laughs) that I've done this year. For me, the signature that I have actually taken from our work and partnership together is the four or five breath. Breathing in, I'm probably doing it wrong, but breathing in for four and then exhaling for five right before I make a decision, right before I say something I'm going to possibly regret to my family or to my colleagues. Just, okay, what would Carla do? In for four and out for five. (laughs) And it really has made a big difference in helping me become more self-aware in what I'm experiencing. So thank you for that. Carla, that sounds very yoga. I don't know if Carla would know this about me, but the other two out here would know that I have a daily yoga practice and I love that. The breath work and knowing that the amount of breath you take in versus how much you release also has some specific connections to how you self-regulate. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Jen, if I had done a better job answering your question in the beginning, yes. So my background <laughs> is actually in, I was part of a team that started a school in Chicago's La Villita, our little village neighborhood. And when I was starting the school, I was coincidentally like getting my yoga teacher training at the same time. 
and we unfortunately lost a student in the neighborhood to gang violence. And there was a boulevard in Chicago that students would cross. And he he lived on the other side of this boulevard. At the time, it was one side was two six, one side was Latin Kings, I believe. And so when this gang violence happened in the community, now, mind you, we started the school to thwart the gang violence, right? Mm-hmm. So it was a late start model, et cetera. However, how do we plan for that gang violence happening? No, we're all about like rubrics and rigor and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And hadn't done the boots on the ground work, working arm in arm with the community, hadn't engaged with cultural humility, right? Like we know better, we have master's degrees, we. And so (laughs) what happens then is that when this gang violence, I found myself standing in front of my class saying like, all right, everybody, so let's write a double entry journal on how gang violence is bad for our community. And the students looked at me like, no, uh uh-uh, that's the best you got. You came into our community with this mission and this vision and uniform policies, et cetera, yet you don't have anything ready for today, lady. And they were right. You know, my students were right. And because I was in the yoga teacher training, my students were like, can't we just do some breath work, Miss Cheek? Can't we just try this? And then they coached me and taught me. And there was a junior ROTC building that was right next door. And they this was during one of the recent conflicts. And they were recruiting students, especially students of color, to, mm-hmm. to go abroad. And they were like, here, you don't have to, you don't have to do PE or after school. We'll just have your students join the ROTC. And I was like, no, you won't. I will teach an after school program. (laughs) Right. And so I was out there recruiting my kids to take a yoga class. So they like, it was me versus the boys and girls club, our junior ROTC program. Like come to yoga. I didn't, I wasn't even done with my certification. I was the crappiest teacher, right? Doing the downward dog and cueing and like looking under your arm, not really knowing how to cue it. (laughs) And so that's how I got my start. And then from there, went to university teacher prep. From there, went to work for Chicago Public Schools and started my full practice. And the rest is history. The rest is history. That's right. So yes. And Casey, you're sweet to give me credit for four or five. As Jen knows, folks long before either of us, Mm -hmm. this is their practice. And so I'm humbled just to bring the practices in and make them accessible for educators and folks. Well, you informed me of them. So you get to take credit for that. I passed along the knowledge, right? Yes. It's a gift that keeps Uh, on giving. Absolutely. Breath. Does the body good. There we go. (laughs) Well, then let's, since you've already shared the showstopper, let's talk about the technical. So for the technical, here's the question. What are educators and leaders getting wrong with SEL? Oh, I love this. I love it for (laughs) podcasts. We can just be brazen and then you can edit it out. (laughs) Okay, here's our here's our public service announcement, educators and school administrators. Let this will be short and sweet, hopefully. <laughs> SEL is not a curriculum. Yes! It like it's a curriculum. <laughs> Thank <Please> you. Stop <laughs> treating it like it's a curriculum. Don't implement it 215 on Wednesday. You don't have educators read the laminated cards. Or to get back to what we talked about with self-awareness, mm-hmm. for it to be done well, then every caring adult in your school building must be trained. And by every caring adult, I mean those adults that are often overlooked but have meaningful relationships with students. Mm-hmm. And so it's not the counselor is trained in SEL, although the counselor is invaluable, of course. And the educators are trained in SEL, although they're invaluable. But your SICAs and your paras and your custodians and your security guards. Because if we are all here to serve the collective and lift all votes, meaning that I'm an adult who's talking to another adult in the hallway, 
And I need my own strategies to stay regulated. I need my own strategies to help adults who are dysregulated. I need that for students and students need that for each other and for adults often, sadly, right? This is work that's multi-directional and every single adult in the building deserves training. And so that's where you start and you don't exclude adults from training the same way that you hopefully don't have a sign on your faculty lounge that says for teachers only in bold print and then say, gosh, why is the climate and culture of my building so X, Y, Z? Well, let's start with the signage in your school. Let's start there. So I'm sorry again. I was secretly reading. I wrote that question. Just wanted to give you, you know, up on a soapbox. Go on. Well, because we have talked about this, Carla, when, educators or advisors, administrators come in. Oh yeah, we do that SEL thing. Yeah. You open up second step to page 45 and you read the lesson for today. That is not SEL, especially if you have a dysregulated teacher who just got screamed at by a parent who just had a kid choke out another kid on the playground during their duty. What practices are you putting in place to help that teacher in that moment? so that they can model what re-regulation or co-regulation looks like in that moment. That's SEL. And so, yeah, I'm so glad you said that. (laughs) And I have such love for you. I do. It's educating the consumers on your point, Casey. Yeah. Because people see second step or here's the curriculum You buy it, you log into the website or you take the cellophane off and you say, all right, good, we're good to go. I can check the box. I can tell my board I bought this thing. It's not going to work because we're not doing it the right way. And we know that, right? We know that. So let's do it the right way. Let's admit that it's hard. Let's admit that many of the folks in our buildings were never trained in it because training adults in SEL is not the same as training them in how to administer a curriculum. Mm -hmm. If it takes them 45 minutes to learn how to SEL in your building, they didn't learn SEL. They learned how to log into a damn website. Mm -hmm. They learned how to, here's the binder. This is how you flip through it. What can you learn to do in 45 minutes? Literally nothing. Mm -hmm. And so we have to treat it with that level of intentionality and we have to say that it's hard. Let's stop Mm -hmm. pretending that it's easy. Mm -hmm. We're doing it sincerely a disservice. Let's say what it is. It is hard work. It's work that challenges you. And that challenge, we're going to grow from that challenge, but it's there and it's real. Yeah. It's going to make us better. We grow when we are challenged and endure that. 100%. And if we sell it to teachers, like, oh, don't worry. It's not one more thing on your plate. Or don't worry. It's not really hard. And we've got this and we've got that. And then they, then they get into it and they realize, well, they, I was lied to. Mm-hmm. I was lied to. And I think that SEL is doing itself a disservice right now by trying to twist itself into a pretzel to be something it's not. And we're going to find ourselves in like the character counts lane. If we're, you know, what we have to do is be very careful and say, this is what it is. This is what it's not. Mm-hmm. And this is what evidence informed and evidence based programs look like. And this is what evidence informed only programs look like. If they're not even talking about evidence based, then who cares how sparkly their website is? Don't spend another four minutes on a call with that vendor. Right? We have to talk about like the market is flooded. People do think there's like an FDA for SEL. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, like somebody checks this, right? Like somebody like, <laughs> there's like, like some approval place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's Castle. And this is what Castle does. And this is what Castle doesn't do. 
and there's gray in there. Let's get to know what that gray is. Like when we talk about ed tech tools, mm-hmm. oh Lord, Castle doesn't vet ed tech tools. Ooh, they vet yeah. ed tech tools that are associated with a curriculum like ours. Mm-hmm. So if you look on there, there's like three or four, right? What about the other hundred in the market? Mm-hmm. Do we think Silicon Valley staying up till three in the morning? No, they're worried about capturing market share. And so we have to be really sober and say, okay, consumers, let's talk about there's no FDA for the ed tech tools your students are using, <laughs> not just SEL, reading math. If they spend 40 minutes building an avatar and two minutes doing a math problem, probably not a good tech tool for your right. school. And so we're, we're running into we're running into obstacles and resentment. And that's unfortunate because when I've heard you talk about evidence-based, what I've loved about your class catalyst program, honestly, Carla, is so when I was thinking showstopper, one of the big lifts is how do we progress monitor? How do we know that the interventions that we're putting in place to help our students become self-aware, reconnect, re-regulate, and have that sense of calm? it falls on the social worker and guidance counselor to gather that evidence. And it's just not feasible given some of them could see upwards of 600 students on their caseload. The beautiful thing about Class Catalyst is it provides not only the teacher, but the social worker with a snapshot of where that student's energy level is at, how they're feeling today, and provide them with a just-in-time practice to help either re-engage or help give them an outlet for whatever it is they're feeling. And so when you talk about evidence-based, that's one of the reasons I love your work and what you guys are doing in the ed tech space. My gosh, I love you. Thank you for saying that. I haven't Um, seen anything else like it. And it really, it's not another thing. It's always teachers are looking for, how do I get my kids to more easily transition from one activity or to the next? How do I get my students to recenter after the lunch or recess break? And that's a perfect space and time to do that kind of work and get that progress monitoring snapshot. So kudos to you guys for doing that. Thank you so much mm-hmm. for saying that. <laughs> Student voice is so critical. Yeah. And we often like, how is education? It's a bunch of adults sitting around a table talking about like what they think kids need. And really authentic student opportunities for student voice are so rare. Like we get the four kids, to, you know, from the from the honor roll society to talk to the school board, and we say mm-hmm. it's student voice. It's not. We, we give kids a survey in September, and then say, "Oh, I can't believe we lost a child to suicide in February." You can't. You haven't talked really authentically engaged with any mm-hmm. of them since September when you gave this survey and no one analyzed it. The results are sitting in someone's desk or, or there's no action items associated. So we really tried to dismantle some of these systems that we saw as broken and just create like clear pathways to student voice daily, clear mm-hmm. pathways to agency daily and for adults as well. Because yep. how can we ask adults to provide voice and agency to students if adults feel voiceless and powerless, if they feel that they're without agency? And so thank you so much, mm-hmm. Casey, for bringing that up and for helping me like step into that because, you know, when it's right here in front of you, it, it's hard to celebrate sometimes. Yeah. It's worth celebrating. This might be a worn connection, but how people say in an airplane, if the oxygen mask comes down, you need to put it on yourself first. But that's mm-hmm. really what you're talking about. And I find that this isn't a concept that is only unique to education. It's everywhere. However, Mm -hmm. what we see in the educational world and space is that 
a lot of our educators are not okay <laughs> and trying mm -hmm. to do this. And so we have to take care of them too. You'd be hard pressed to find anybody face to face that would say, yeah, I don't care. People care. I just don't think they really know what to do or how to mm -hmm. do it. And one of the things you said that really spoke to me is that you mentioned that as soon as something becomes a box to check, it steals its power. I've been using the term, and you both have heard me say it, checkbox mentality as mm -hmm. a way of killing an initiative or taking its legs out from under it. Basically, the second that people look at SEL or coaching or anything that we're trying to do with teachers, with kids, as just this thing that everybody has to do, that's what sort of steals its wings. It's really interesting that you've got some legitimate evidence-driven and evidence-based practices that can really give them a little bit more power and take them away from that checkbox mentality land. 100%. When administrators will ask me, I had a superintendent ask me, how will we know when we're successful? And I said, well, know when we're successful in three years when we account for SEL and SEL spending the same way we account for copy paper. It's not extraordinary. There's nothing special about it. It's a line in your budget. Like I can't cut SEL because I would never cut copy paper. I'm like, I don't want it to be something where it's like, oh, and it's this and it's that and it's special SEL Monday and it's this thing on Tuesday. I want it to be copy paper to you. And when you can't live without it the same way you can't live without your copy paper, then I'll, we'll high five and we'll say we did it. Mike drop. You wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, before we get to game time, I say it's takeaway time. Uh, so, Carla, as our special guest for today, you may either provide your takeaway first from our conversation tonight or at the end. It is completely up to you. I'll go first. Okay. My takeaway is gratitude because you have opened up this clearly very special relationship and space and shared it with me. And I'm learning like what where I feel that this is so collaborative. Mm -hmm. And I am so grateful to be a part of this little circle and so grateful to, to be learning and, and chatting it up and mixing it up with you all. Like it really feels legitimately like an honor. And so I'm so grateful to you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll go next. I actually was really struck by the conversation we had going across all of the different hosts and even bringing Ramsey in and everything about just the power of constructive feedback and how that's something that can be learned and learned to be done humanely and how important it is for everybody within a system and who works with teachers or educators or works with people at all to learn how to give constructive feedback to people that helps them work to that showstopper that you speak of where they are able to gain self-awareness from it. And there's a desire and wish to grow, not just, oh, they told me to fix it. So I'll fix it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go next so that Casey, you can round it out at the end here. <laughs> I can't even pick one thing, but I guess what's sticking out in my mind right now is when we think about social emotional learning. And when we think about what we want for our schools, are we trying to check the box and get it done? Or do we want to do it right? Sometimes all of us are so crammed to produce and have things done and check it off that I don't know if we do it well. And that's not a criticism to anyone in particular. It's more so just probably more a comment about the system. And we have hard, complex jobs. And this is just one of those things that needs to become. And what I, Carla, as you're talking, what I'm hearing is we know, oh, it needs to be embedded. It needs to be layered. It's not a afterthought. And I don't think we're there yet. And I don't think that the goal should be, how do we finish this? Or how do we get this done? 
but how do we just make it a part of what we do? This is what we mm -hmm. do. And to tie it in last but not least with even our metaphor with the Great British Bake Off is they're not there to get it done and to win. They're there to just show their talents. They're there to show what they love and their passions. And how do we do that and keep it just as a part of this is who we are and this is what we're about and what we do in education for our kids? For me, it really ties into the climate and culture piece, that building of community and that I have seen throughout my career in education. That teacher, I was one of those who would stay after hours to try to help my student understand what a claim was, how to get the gist of this Shakespearean sonnet. And for me, when we talk about valuing and wanting to support students holistically, right, not only with academics, but in the social and emotional space, seeing a teacher go up to a student who is dysregulated. And I heard someone on TikTok recently say, let that student borrow your calm, like help that student come down from that moment of dysregulation, be like, I've been there, I'm here for you, and we're going to do this, this breathing, this pop check, whatever it is, let's do it together. Because they do it for academics. That's, to me, the biggest takeaway. Make it like the air we breathe in the classroom. Make it like the copy paper that some of us write on. Jenny doesn't use copy paper at all. <laughs> I was like, I could, get, I could live without it. <laughs> I know I'm in the minority, <laughs> but, but that to me is the biggest takeaway is we say it's got to be a part of our day in and day out. But really, for me, the takeaway was clarifying this is what true SEL looks like in that moment. All right. This is really serious. Ready for a game? <laughs> bring it. Bring it. All right. So, Carla, after every episode and conversation here at GLG, we play a quick game and we're going to bring back our game entitled Just One. So how this works is as our active player, pre-conversation, Carla determined that she wanted to be the active player first. She, listeners, is going to pick a number, one through five. And one of the words that she picks is associated to a number will either be connected to social emotional learning or baking. She does not know which. <laughs> oh, I love her twist. <laughs> Carla will then head to our virtual green room where craft services are amazing. That's <laughs> it on the screen anyways. <laughs> and we will come to consensus on who had what clues and if any clues match they're thrown out and you have to guess what that word is that we have for you so are you ready to play i'm in okay i'm so excited all right carla pick a number one through five five all right i'm gonna text okay ladies you should have received your word okay. so it's either it's gonna be sel or baking sel or baking yes okay so now we're going to come up with our word that you have to use to guess. We good, team? Uh-huh. Okay. So now, Carla, we're going to have you heading to the virtual green room now. Okay. And when you see us flailing like this out of your periphery, <laughs> come back and we'll share. Okay. So mine was perspective. Oh, crap. We <gasps> We matchy. <gasps> Oh, no. That's our first matchy. We're in okay. trouble. Okay. We're right. really in trouble if I wrote perspective. But did I didn't. You? Oh, okay. but I did not. Oh, geez, Jenny. <laughs> so, I put 
compassion. <gasps> Ooh, okay. Ooh, this is gonna be hard. Dun, dun. Okay. I think she's got it. Okay. Flailing, flailing, flailing. <laughs> All right, Carla is back, everyone, from the virtual green room. What I snacks did you have? <laughs> I had one of those like pineapple boats, you know, where it's like you get when you're in Maui or whatever. We, it was delicious. It was there an umbrella? All fresh. It was umbrellas, like fresh papaya. It was literally amazing. Thank you so much, everybody. All right. So you were our first guest. Both Emily and I matched. So you do not okay. have our clues. So you Apology. only have Jenny's clue. Thank goodness we didn't all three match or you'd be sure. <laughs> literally shooting in the dark all right my word is compassion this is so hard when you don't have it all is. the words oh i feel bad <laughs> so just to be clear i don't actually just guess sel i have to guess a component of sel to get it right correct correct like any fact right related if it were an sel thing yeah or if it were baking so i'd yes. have to okay so it's a legit i have to guess like, yeah 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 okay i'm gonna go Prue is my answer. No. So let's give our secondary clue. The matchy matchy was perspective. I'm shifting over into SEO land. (laughs) Shoot. Self-awareness? No, it was empathy. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You got a redeemer one. You got a redeemer one. Okay. One through four. Three. Oh, (laughs) Oh, okay. It's not a good sign. I, I don't know what it oh, is. Oh, no. I'm so glad you got this one. You're getting the challenge wrong okay. here. Oh, no. <laughs> not going to lie. I was an asshole when I wrote this one down. Ruh-roh. All right, Emily and Jenny, it's coming your way. So same same drill? Same drill. All so right. it could okay. either this be is, S- a martini this okay. <laughs> Try to think more creatively this time around. All right, Carla's headed to the green room. Yep, Carla's headed to the green room. Casey's texting us another really hard ass <laughs> word. Emily's Googling what it is. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I told you I was a jerk. It's because I didn't know what this meant when I first. I'm double checking. I know they use it all the time, but mm-hmm. and our listeners are probably like, "What are they talking about?" I'll get. I'll throw her a bone. Okay, I'll give her a good one. I want to give her like three words to help her out. But... <laughs> this is just mean. Well, let's see how much she really watches the show. Oh, she does. Obsessed. All right, then she might get this. She might. I'm gonna pull for her. I think she'll get it. Okay. okay. All right, you ready? <laughs> okay. What are you? Okay. Words? So my word was sweet. I put French. Thank God I didn't put French. I almost put French. Okay. I put desserts. Let's go. (laughs) She's got this. She's got it. it. She'll get it. All right. Flail, flail, flail. Welcome back. How is the martini? Good? Oh, it was delicious. (laughs) A blue cheese stuffed olive. Yes, that's how I like mine too. Extra dirty. Extra dirty. Extra dirty. All right. You have all three clues this time. So you are in good hands. You are in good hands. All right. So we're going to save Jenny's clue for last because I think you're going to get it when you get to Jenny's. So my clue is sweet. Mine is desserts. French. And this, oh, I can't ask any clarifying questions. Mm -mm. I I get just one guess. Just one. Hence the name of the game. (laughs) Casey gave me crap last last time we played. Oh my gosh. All right. 
And then you go a macaron. That's a great oh, guess. Oh, that is a great, guess. great guess. <laughs> Damn it. What was it? Pat Don't say meringue. Patisserie. Oh, 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 okay. <laughs> I want so Carla hard. to win. <laughs> oh, that's, this is embarrassing for you. <laughs> we needed like the word collection or collective because that's when they're all like lined up beautifully yes. on a platter. That's. Because isn't yes. isn't Macron an example of a item? It is yeah. part of. Yeah, so you've close. seen them. Yeah, they're like multicolored. Yes. They're vibrant yeah. colors and blah, yes. blah, blah. Right. Sorry, I was trying with desserts plural, but I was not <laughs> coming up coming up with a lot of words. <laughs> oh, I should have caught the plural. I didn't catch the Sorry, plural. Damn it! Desserts. I should have caught the plural. That's all right. What's the consolation prize? Um, yeah, a consolation prize of forty five hundred half eaten macrons. So you Done. still get them. <laughs> Merci. I'll take them. <laughs> so Carla, is there anything else you would like to share with our listenership regarding social media, where they can find you, where they can learn more about your work before we close? Absolutely. I feel strongly that folks that hear me speak or hear me present should see me as somebody that's accessible and I want them to reach out. I want to engage in conversation. I want to like chew it up. I want to hear about different circumstances. I want to know like what I'm not seeing, like what my blind spots are. And so please friends, reach out to me. Email is actually the best way. We are on Twitter at underscore cool classroom, but please email me directly at Carla, C-A-R-L-A dot P at class catalyst that's c-a-t-a-l-y-s-t dot com so that's carla dot p at class catalyst all one word dot com and please let me know if if you disagree with me again let's like mix it up because i think through that mixing it up and conversation and dialogue that's how we all grow and that's especially how sel grows and sel needs to grow mm -hmm. as an industry mm -hmm. We've been doing it the same way for a while. We all know it's broken. We've all been like, oh, well, it isn't. No, like the moral imperative is staring us in the face. It is time to do it differently and do it better. Please join the gang, join the band, join the, right? <laughs> Be a part of join the conversation. The conversation friends. Yes, please. Perfect. All right, Emily, you want to give us a taste of what's to come? You got it. So believe it or not, we are actually nearing the end of our second season of the Grounded Learners Guild. So we are bringing to you a season finale all about the idea of metacognition and the things that we can do inside of our minds to help ourselves grow and learn. And this one's also going to be a metaphor-driven episode because we're going to be discussing the movie Inside Out through Pixar a little bit more in depth while we discuss metacognition as a team. And then you'll want to be looking for some pop culture playground episodes this summer from us. We're definitely looking to keep engaging and keep some fun, light content coming to you this summer. So hope you can join us for those upcoming items. And once again, on behalf of all of us here at GLG, Carla, thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. Thanks, Carla. It's thank been a you. pleasure to meet you. Awesome to talk to you. <laughs> Truly an honor. And I would love to return or just literally like have brunch. Let's get coffee. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We go to Let's a patisserie. That's on Yes. We go to a <laughs> <laughs> And that's it for this episode of the Grounded Learners Guild. Many thanks to you for choosing to engage with our guild's content as we passionately continue to advocate for adult learners with transparent conversations about the world of education, impactful leadership, and the power of high-functioning teaming. If you'd like to connect with the guild, the power of the PLN continues. 
You can find us on our website, thegroundedlearnersguild.com, and on Twitter, at GroundedLGuild, at C. Veacher, at TechCoachM, and at Jenny Labrie, using the hashtag GLGPodChat. Feedback is a powerful tool that allows us to be responsive to the topics that matter to you most. If you haven't yet already, or if you're finding us for the first time, how about leaving us a review? It helps us to improve our work, allows us to bring you quality and customized content, and assists others in finding our guild as well. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you stream. Thanks again for joining us, Casey, Emily, and me, Jenny, in today's episode of the Grounded Learners Guild. See you at the next guild meeting. And in the meantime, do your best to stay grounded.